Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 41, Remember the Lord, their Redeemer. As I have dived into reading the Book of Mormon these past few months, earnestly committed that I'm going to finish it by the end of this year, just like President Nelson encouraged us to do, I've been taken aback. I mean, I always knew that the Book of Mormon testified of Jesus Christ. Like, I didn't have a doubt. I've read it before. But I've been taken aback as to the continual witness that Jesus is the Christ. And I am grateful for this challenge. I am grateful for the challenge to underline each reference to the Savior so that I can gain a witness for myself, not only because the Spirit testifies of it to me, not only because my eyes can see how often the Savior's name is mentioned, but because my hand is actively engaged in accounting for every mention of my Redeemer. My pencil grows small, which is another witness of the degree in which the prophets of old pleaded with their people and with me to accept the Son of God as their Savior and to believe that He truly can do all things. So I can say today, that the Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus Christ. And it is no mistake, but intentional, very intentional on God's part to begin this book with his valiant and ever faithful son, Nephi. Nephi set the standard of what this book would be. He, in obedience to the command of God, set the purpose of what the small plates of Nephi were to contain. They were to condense all of the ministry and the prophecies, the more plain and precious parts of them, for the instruction of his people who would possess the land and also for a wise purpose known to the Lord which Nephi knew not of. Remember, Nephi is a man who already had begun a record. He had engraved the record of Lehi, his father, He had kept a record of the journeyings in the wilderness, the prophecies of Lehi, and also his own prophecies. His record contained the record of Lehi and also Lehi's genealogy. But by commandment, the Lord instructed him to make a separate record, more condensed, more precious. And as I read 1 Nephi 19, I read this as a record of a man of God, who has tasted of the sweet and of the bitter. A man who has been preserved by the hand of the Lord, but not without affliction, who has stayed true to the word of God, but not without persecution. He has become a witness of Jesus Christ, has stood up and testified boldly to those who had animosity towards his faith and who lacked understanding of exactly who Jesus Christ is. He did this despite being threatened and mishandled. He eventually will move away from his enemies. 
and he will be under assignment to record in his other plates the greater account of the wars and contentions and destructions of my people. And that verse, verse 4, gives us a glimpse into the maturity and experience of the man who is capturing all of this and preserving all of it for us. I personally am endeared to the humanness of Nephi, who states that upon this record we have, that he doesn't write anything upon it unless he believes that it is sacred. But he knows that the things which some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and soul, others set at naught and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel do men trample under their feet. I say trample under their feet, but I would speak in other words. They set him at naught and hearken not to the voice of his counsels. What does that part mean to you? How can you live so that you are not accused of setting Jesus at naught? Remember, this was written by a man who had lived this fact of humanity personally, but he never gave up on them. He testified. He risked them being angry at him, but yet he testified. He put his life in jeopardy, and yet he testified. He taught, he persuaded, and he lived it. And though this isn't to say that he was perfect in all things, even he admits to weakness in him. We all have weakness. But I love that verse 6, he acknowledges that weakness is the cause if he has erred in what he has preserved for us. And he says, I would excuse myself. Nephi's confidence comes from knowing he has done his best And that is good enough for a God who is full of grace, the enabling power that makes all the difference in our efforts. I love his phrase, I would excuse myself. I think we could apply this a little more to our lives. It gives me permission to accept my best efforts. I mean, come on, the Lord does. But sometimes I struggle that my best efforts may not be perfect. And I see this in my mothering big time. But a long time ago, a wise Relief Society president that I served with told me, you do your best as a mother and the atonement will fill in the gaps. Is that to say I won't err out of my weakness? No. But should I be able to say I would excuse myself because I'm confident that I have done my best? Yes. Nephi knows that his efforts have entirely been with the intention to preserve and pass down to his people the more sacred things for them. He set the standard that this record would be to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile, that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. And though this is the message found on the title page of the Book of Mormon and written by the hand of Mormon, this is exactly the desire of Nephi's heart. 
He writes these things with the sole purpose to persuade his people to remember the Lord their Redeemer. Remember, this is a man who is a witness of Jesus Christ. He will see Jesus' ministry. He will see his crucifixion. He will see how Jesus will come and visit the Nephites. But he will also see how his people, because of their iniquity, will be destroyed by his brethren's seed. But he doesn't give up. He records for his posterity and for us that the Lord will come 600 years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. He testifies that the world, because of their iniquity, will judge him to be a thing of naught. So they'll scourge him and he'll suffereth it. They'll smite him and he'll suffereth it. They'll spit upon him and he will suffer it. Why? What can Nephi see to learn from his prophecies about their Lord by knowing this about him and the terrible atrocities that the Lord will endure? They will know that their Redeemer is merciful, that because of his loving kindness and his long suffering toward the children of men, he will submit himself to such things that the life of the Redeemer was a personal submission of a God for each and every one of his children. And when we know this about him, don't we want to draw near to him, to be protected by his arm, to be sustained by him, to confess our weakness to him, and then go and treat our fellow men with more mercy, such loving kindness and long suffering, we will want to duplicate because we have been treated by our Savior that way. Nephi read many things to his brethren from the brass plates so that they would know the doings of the Lord, the doings of the Lord in other lands from long ago. And why would this make a difference? Because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His course is one eternal round, and he is unwavering. If we know him as he was, then we know him as he is today. And the brass plates preserved the prophecies of prophets that our Bible has removed. They are among the plain and precious things that are lost. But not unto us, because Nephi records the prophecy of Zenic, that the Son of God will be lifted up. He records the prophecy of Nam, that the Son of God will be crucified. And he preserved on his small plates the prophecy of Zenus, the prophet who foretold of the Son of God being buried in a sepulcher. And have you ever paused to consider how remarkable that piece of information is? That the Son of God, the creator of this earth, permitted that his body be left behind among us, even if it was for three days. Now, we're not sure when Zenos was a prophet. We only know that it was before 600 BC, before Lehi left Jerusalem. We do know, because of the information that's captured in the book of Helaman, that this prophet will lose his life because of his bold testimony of the coming of the Lord. And the point that I desire to make 
is that at least 600 years before Christ was born, it was revealed and documented that the Lord did instruct his children how they would know that he had died. The Isles of the Sea, which included the Nephites, would experience three days of darkness. Zenos prophesied of this. Zenos also proclaimed that after the Lord's death, he would visit all the house of Israel. The righteous would hear his voice, bringing great joy and salvation to them. Yet others would be visited with the thunderings and the lightnings of his power, by tempest, by fire, and by smoke, and vapor of darkness, and by the opening up of the earth, and by mountains which shall be carried up. Zenos goes on to say that all these things will surely happen, that rocks will rend and the earth will groan, which will cause the kings of the isles of the sea to have the Spirit of God come upon them and say, The God of nature suffers. Preserved upon the plates of brass, the words of Zenos would go on to give the people of Nephi understanding about what now. Those who were at Jerusalem would be scourged by all people because they crucified the God of Israel, because they turned their heart aside and rejected the signs and wonders and power and glory of the God of Israel. What signs and wonders, what power and glory is the God of Israel attempting to show to you? He's doing it to gather you in, to keep you in his protected care, to strengthen you while on the covenant path. Are you letting him? Are you turning to him? Are you following him even as the angry mob chants in our day to crucify his teachings? The mob in the Savior's day despised him, the Holy One of Israel. And because of this, because they did choose to turn from him, Zenos prophesied that they shall wander in the flesh, perish, and become a hiss and a byword to be hated among all nations. Tragically so, we can all attest that this prophecy has been fulfilled. The hatred of this people among the people of the world has been unprecedented. But we are not under any permission or obligation to carry in our hearts any retaliation or hatred towards the people of Jerusalem. In 3 Nephi chapter 29, we are instructed to know that the coming forth of the Book of Mormon is the Lord's sign to us that he remembers his covenants to the house of Israel. The words of Zenos have been fulfilled, and when he said, When that day cometh, that they no more turn aside their hearts against the Holy One of Israel, then will he remember the covenants which he made to their fathers. The Book of Mormon that we hold in our hands, that we are reading every night to be done by the end of this month, is the signal of the peace offering and the catalyst to the gathering of Israel. We live Zenos' words today that the Lord will remember the isles of the sea and all of the house of Israel, and he will gather them from the four quarters of the earth, that all the earth shall see the Lord's salvation. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall be blessed. We are a part of this very work as it rolls forth. 
The Book of Mormon is a sign and wonder and the power and glory of the God of Israel that we must not turn our hearts from and reject, but we must cherish it as the communication from our God that we, if we choose, are being gathered unto him. Sister Scriptorians, your acceptance of the challenge by our prophet to read the Book of Mormon is literally gathering you in. Our remembrance today of the Book of Mormon, our making time to read it, is a repentance, if you will, of times in which we didn't. It is us not treating this sign and wonder as a thing of naught. We are choosing to remember the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon. I don't have the sufficient words to make that more real for you. Just keep reading it. And the Spirit will give you a witness that these words are true. I love Nephi for capturing the sacred truths and for loving God and therefore his people enough to labor diligently to teach them of these things and plant the words of the Lord in their hearts. He didn't want his people to forget that they are of the house of Israel, that they are a remnant that the Lord preserved. Therefore, he read them the words of Isaiah to persuade them to believe in the Lord, their Redeemer. He did for them what we attempt to do here, to liken all scriptures unto them for their profit and learning. He desired them to have hope, a trust in the Lord, and an expectation of better things to come. I guess that this would be my Christmas message for you this season. As you reflect on the baby born of Mary and who lay in the manger, remember what did make him spectacular. And that baby was the Lord of the Nephites. He was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the one who remembers his people in their afflictions and gives them cause to rejoice He is forgiving, and he extends his mercy to each who desire it, and he is patient with those who are still trying to figure it out. And once they do, he awaits them with open arms to be one of his children. He will remember his children, and he counts us one by one. He is our hope. He is our Redeemer. And I am grateful Nephi worked so hard to remind us of this. Sister Scriptorians, remember the Lord your Redeemer. Remember He came. Remember He suffered. Why did He suffer? Because of His loving kindness and long-suffering He has for you. Continue to read the Book of Mormon, cherishing it as the sign and wonder that it is, and have reverence for the one who will never forget you, neglect you, or break His promises to you. He lives. He is Jesus the Christ. Have a good day.